you for downloading this podcast from Victory Outreach Manchester. We pray that this message will bless your life as you listen. You know, it's very, very securing. feels very secure to know that this is a ministry of longevity. They've been married 60 years. 60 years. And been in ministry for 50 what, what is it going to be? 56 years. That's, that's amazing. Amen. I mean, me and Vicky have been married 21 years and we've been in ministry here in Manchester for 20 years. And that seems like a, a lifetime or a life sentence. Hallelujah. It depends how you look at it. But praise God. 60 years. We're only, we're only a third of the way yet there. Praise God. But it's amazing. It's amazing. I want you to, I want you to pray with me right now. And what I'm going to, about to share is something quite personal to this church, to this ministry. Something that I believe that God wants us to know as Victory Outreach Manchester. And um, there are also applications and implications for other people, other Christians, especially ones that have been through similar experiences in the Word of God. God is a God that works corporately. You have to understand that. Sometimes we want everything to be individual. And He does work individually. He's personal in our lives. He is a personal God. But He also works corporately. And there are times when, when we are in a place corporately together in community and in covenant, that there is a blessing uh, in store for us. And, and I really want you to, to just listen up as I share some of the things that I... I believe God has been doing in this ministry over the last few years. Are you ready? Can you pray with me right now? Father, it's such a, an amazing privilege to be able to stand and minister your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me into people's hearts. I pray that everyone's hearts would be open. Lord, there is so much blessing in store for us. But I pray that we would have the faith to leave behind some old things and step into some new things. Lord God, I pray that every single one of us would listen to the voice behind the voice, that you would speak to our hearts at this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I'm really excited about what I believe God has in store for us in this coming year, Victory Outreach Manchester. I believe it's going to be a time of blessing and a time of filling with new spiritual life and experiences. And I don't always come up on New Year's Eve and start speaking like this. I don't always come up with the excitement and the anticipation that there's going to be some great stuff in place. Sometimes I've come up over the past few years and it's been a different story. I've kind of realized that, that God is doing some deep work in our, in our church because there's some stuff that he wants to do. And when God wants to do something in you and for you, he always prepares you for it. And the problem is we live in a world where we don't like that. I mean, if you know, we live in a world where we want everything instantly. We want instant gratification. We hide from hurt and we hide from pain. We hide from change. 
I, I, I heard a, a thing this morning when I was doing my devotions about how psychologically most people in the world, they want to blend in with the herd. They don't want to stand out. And how many of you have wanted to blend into the world before? You wanted to blend in, you wanted to be like everyone else? Come on, somebody. Peer pressure caused you to do things that you didn't really want to do, but you ended up doing them. You didn't want to stand out, especially if you were raised in a Christian environment or you came into a Christian environment. People don't want to stand out. It's human nature to want to blend into the herd. There was a study that was done with zebras. And uh, they said, why, why are zebras black and white? And one expert, I mean, if you know, some experts need to be ex-experts because they ain't expert. They said... Zebras are black and white because of camouflage. Like, I don't see the African veld black and white stripes like that. If they're crossing the road in Britain, maybe they'll blend in. But I mean, if you know lions blend in because they're the same colour as the world around them. They blend in because they want to sneak up and devour the sick, the weak, the lame, the lazy and the isolated. But why the zebras? Why do they blend in? And then another expert, he came up and he said, we're going we're gonna to try this. This is not camouflage. He said, what we're going to do is we're going to pick out one of the zebras and we're going to put a red mark on his behind. He said, because the only camouflage that the zebra has is that it looks like everyone else in the herd and you can't pick it out from anyone else. They all look the same. And here's the thing, that confuses the lion. Because the lion, when the lion wants a target, if all it sees is the big herd, it ain't going to run into the herd and claim a victim. What it wants to look for is one that stands out. Now here's the thing, when they put this red mark on one of the healthiest zebra, I mean if you know the healthiest, the strongest, the biggest, the ones that are going to make the best zebra babies, come on somebody, they're the ones that are right in the middle of the herd. They're right in the centre of things. But they got one of them and they put this big red mark on its behind. And then they let it go. Who was the one that got eaten by the lion after that? It was the one with a big red mark on its behind. Because it stood out from the herd. Come on somebody. When you stand out, the lion comes after you. Huh? Now, you don't have to have a big red mark on your behind because you've been picked out. You might just be sick. You might be weak. You might be young. You might be lazy. Come on, somebody. Right? You might just be isolated. Either one of those things can cause you to stand out from the rest of the pack, the rest of the herd, the rest of the flock, the rest of the church, the rest of the kingdom. That makes you a target for the enemy. That's why most Christians are low. Couldn't even say it. Am I allowed to say this? That's why many Christians are lightweight and lukewarm. There's a lot of beige believers. Come on, somebody. They ain't going to be black. They ain't going to be white. They just want to be beige. They want to just do enough just so they fit in, but not enough so they stand out. And that's why the church doesn't stand out enough in the world. That's why Islam's rising up. That's why other religions rise up. 
Because they don't care about standing out. Because the enemy don't go after them. So what does God want to do? Why has he been doing what he's been doing in our church and in Christianity over the last several years? I believe he's been preparing some people. He's been preparing some stuff because he's got something prepared. And I don't know about you, but some of us need to stand out a little bit more in this coming season. Because unless you're prepared to stand up and stand out, you ain't going to be able to receive everything that God's been preparing you for. Takes a decision, takes some bravery. But listen to what it is that I've been seeing. Over the last few years, we've seen the world we live in go through some significant changes. I don't know about you, but over the last five years, since about 2018, you know, the world has really gone through some changes. It's almost like before 2018, life was, you know, it was okay. And then from 2018, 2019, 2020, we started seeing madness take place. Uh, 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 has anyone been living in the same world as me, right? And today we're in a world where there's wars, there's rumours of wars. The, the, the Ukraine, there's house prices have gone up, food prices have gone up. Everything's gone up. We went through a pandemic, for goodness sake. Amen? Some mad pandemic. What was that all about? It was madness, wasn't it? We lived through madness in this world. Can you, can you remember the madness? People in masks and, you know, people in stormtrooper helmets. <coughs> I saw someone wearing a stormtrooper helmet, buying groceries once, right? And whatever it was, right or wrong and this and that, it was madness. The whole world shut down. Everything went crazy. And then since then, things are kind of, you know, every, every, all bets are off. Anything goes, really, right? So here we are right now. We've seen this church go through some significant changes too in that period. And on top of that, I've been through some significant changes. And I hope you have too. Amen? In fact, going through the changes is horrible. Amen? When women go through the menopause, they call it the change. And it ain't a nice thing. Why do they call it the change? Because change can be hard. Change can be horrible. Change can disrupt things. Oh, is anyone in the, 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 this place in agreement with me? Just say amen. amen. People don't like change. They like to blend in. They like to have the same stripes as the other zebra. They don't like to be marked. They don't like any type of mantle or calling. They don't like to be set apart. They don't like it. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. It's dangerous. But I believe that Change is good. You either make change a friend or change is going to be your enemy. Because everyone's going to change. Amen. Blessed are the flexible. For they shall not be bent out of shape. Right? And I've been through some stuff, man. But I, let, I want to let you know right now, I feel right now that I'm a much realer person than I've ever been. And I've always tried to be real. You know, I'm, I'm, I get in trouble because I'm real sometimes. Because I'm authentic. Because I'm not just going to bow down and say what everyone else says. I'm not a yes man. Amen? I want to I do what's right. I want to live the, uh, in a way that's right. I don't want to say yes to someone's compromise. 
I don't want to sit around the, 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 the I don't want to compromise my life to sit around the sort of tables that Jesus would have flipped anyway. Right? But there's levels of authenticity. There's levels of realness. There's levels, and the realer you are, the more valuable you become in a world that's full of fakers and shakers. I feel that I'm realer now than I've ever been because there's less of me than there ever was. There used to, I mean, if you know, there used to be a lot of me. Can you remember when there was a lot of you? Can you remember when your opinion was the only opinion? Hello? Can you remember when you didn't believe that you could ever do wrong? Do you, do you remember when you thought that you could do whatever you wanted and there'd be no consequences to anyone? We've all been like that. But God then starts to work in our lives. And what he does is he doesn't add loads of spiritual stuff to the person we were. What he does is he chips away everything of our lives that didn't look like Jesus. It subtracts from us attitudes and, come on somebody, the right to be right all the time, the right to your opinion, the right to, to, to be whatever you want to be. You know that's called identity fraud, right? <laughs> Wanting to be something you're not. So God chips away and he uses different situations and different seasons to chip away stuff. Lust, pride, negativity, compromise. Come on now. But how does he do that? He doesn't do it in a way that feels nice. It's not like he massages it away. <laughs> Come on now. Wouldn't it be nice if you could go and get a massage to massage away all your fat? I'm, I'm going to it. And, they, they, and some people even, even say that they can do that. <laughs> uh -huh. There's even been preachers that have said they can pray away your fat. Unbelievable. What God does is he cuts and he carves and he trains and he exercises. And he gets us to cut down on things that are not good for us. And he starts to shape and he starts to shift and he starts to change things in our lives. When you get to that point where you've allowed him to do that, then there's less of you. There's less of you to be bothered about what other people think of you. There's less of you to worry about what other people say about you. There's less of you to wonder about why people do what they do. There's less of that. It doesn't matter. That's down to them. Whatever. Good luck. God bless. God has been preparing people in this last season. He's been getting us ready to be a blessing to the world that we live in. Some people struggle with their purpose. They wonder, why, why am I alive? What, what is my meaning in life? Listen, if you're a Christian, there should be no... There should be no Worrying or, 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 or trying to struggle with that. Your purpose is to serve Jesus. Your purpose is to live for God, to look like him and represent him on this earth. That's it. That's it. Forget about having this and having that and having that, you know, the biggest this and the most of that. Forget about that. That's nice. There's byproducts of that. Your life as a Christian is to image the creator and to represent the son of God upon this earth. That's it. That's really what it's all about. 
When you know that, things become very simple. You stop comparing yourself with other people that don't care about you anyway. How many of you have ever gone out shopping at the mall and you've dressed up to go shopping at the mall because you want to make sure that you look good in front of people that don't even recognise that you're even in existence? You want to impress someone that's selling you something that you don't need with money you ain't got to impress someone who don't care. Hello? Right? But we live caught up in this trap. But God is saying in this season, he's saying, listen, I've been cutting, up, I've been cutting some stuff away in your life because I'm preparing you for something better. Even though things in the world around us look bad, I really believe that for every single one of God's people who have responded in faith to the time of preparation, things are about to get good. This is the season for it. This is the season for it. But first I'm going to do a quick prophetic recap. Amen. Told you this is going to get personal. I'm going to do a prophetic recap. Not a pathetic recap. We can all do that. Amen. We can look back on all the times we've been pathetic. Prophetic. And I don't say that lightly. And I was, when I was praying, I was looking at the themes of my messages over the last five years. There's been four themes that I've had in the messages that I've preached. Everywhere I've preached, the same stuff. Just different ways of doing it. Right? And when you, when you look at things, basically that's what happens. I've probably... I only preached, you know, half a dozen or a dozen messages in my life. I've just preached them in a thousand different ways. Because the message of the gospel is pretty simple. Right? It's pretty simple. The Great Commission was simple. Amen? Jesus tells us to believe. He says, belong. And he says, behave. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Right? But these, these themes are prophetic. And, and I believe that scripture is not just instructional regarding our behavior, it's also prophetically directional. It directs us in where it is that we need to be going. It guides us how to live and it shows us what it's all about. So here's the first theme. There was only really two themes, but there was four different types of message in it. So the first theme started in about 2018 and it ran all the way through to 2022. This first theme in all of the preaching, all of the stuff that we were doing, my mindset, the way we prayed, the experiences that we had. And the first theme was this, pruning the vine and preparing new wineskins. Pruning the vine. I remember I got up on New Year's Eve 2018 and I'm like, God's going to give us, it's pruning the vine. And it all sounds good, right? Because God prunes so that more fruit can develop. But how many of you know, to prune means to cut away lots of stuff. We like, we like the grape stuff, but we don't like the losing all of the branches stuff. Have you ever seen a grapevine that's been pruned? It looks like a bald little twig. It's like bald and naked. It looks like there's nothing on it. But the alternative is, that is just full of leaves. It's full of bush. And how many of you know there's a lot of bushy believers? 
be successful in business and you could be terrible at marriage. Come on. Right? You could be brilliant at sport and you could be terrible at praying. You can be really cool socially, but you can be terrible spiritually. Because there's lots of bush in people's lives. And the bush gets in the way of the sap getting to the grape. And what's our life for? Our life is to produce fruit. Come on, somebody. So there comes times when things are looking really good. You've had a great season. Listen, we had a great season up to about 2018, the end of 2018 as a church. We'd grown, we'd doubled, we'd trebled, we'd sent our churches, we were doing this and doing that. And then all of a sudden God said, time to, time to cut, time to cut back, time to prune some stuff. What does he prune? He prunes attitudes. He prunes, prunes clicks. He prunes, prunes falseness. He prunes stuff that looks good but ain't God. Am I preaching? And that was the message. And it was at the height. Everything was great. We were doing these amazing services over there at Salford University. Super Sunday every month. All of our services would meet together, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. You get loads of people coming in. We've seen souls saved. We've seen amazing things take place. And God said, time for the cut. What does that even mean? Why? Because that was good for that season. But there's another season coming that I'm preparing you for. Not every season is going to be the same. And not everyone's going to be around for every season. Some people are there for a season, for a reason, and then in the new season, they're gone. So pruning the vine was a big thing. And then the next thing, 20, kind of 2019, 2020, we had the pandemic, it was mad. And that was a whole year of one series I preached, the pandemic series, talking about all different types of things. There was one message, you should go back and listen to it, called The Emperor's New Clothes. I don't know if you've ever heard The Emperor's New Clothes. It's like a fairy tale about an emperor that was shystered into buying these clothes from these tailors that said that they were magic clothes that made him look amazing and anyone who couldn't see him was stupid. And then they, he, he poured all this money into buying nothing and he ended up wearing them and looking naked. And no one would speak up about it because they thought if they spoke up about it and said, you ain't got nothing on, then they'd be, they'd be stupid and they'd be outcast. <laughs> Amen? There was a lot of emperor's new clothes in that season. Right? But then we went through and it was, the message shifted a little bit from pruning the vine to creating new wineskins. And that sounds great, doesn't it? Because a new wineskin is there to contain new wine. And new wine speaks about the blessing of God, the, the power of the Holy Spirit. And it all feels good, it all seems good, it all sounds good that we're to produce much fruit and that we're to receive new wine. But how many of you know that to get new fruit, you've got to cut away the stuff that gets in the way and to get new wine, you can't have the old method, the old wineskin, because it's already in its shape. And if you pour new wine into it, it's just going to crack and burst and you're going to lose everything. So you need a new wineskin. But the problem is, you can't just buy a new spiritual wineskin off the shelf in a supermarket. 
It's one thing that you can't get on Amazon. Hello? And that's the problem, right? Everyone wants to do everything on Prime. I'm going to order it now, and if you order it before two o'clock, you're going to get it the next day. You can't do that with a new wineskin. To get a new wineskin, you've got to get rid of the old wineskin and enter into a time of uncertainty with no wineskin. And then to get a new wineskin, something's got to die. Because wineskins were made from animal skins. And that means that there's got to be some sacrifice that takes place. So everyone wants the new power, but no one wants to make a sacrifice. Everyone wants the anointing, but no one wants the crushing. Right? Everyone wants to, to, to keep the, the, the herd of zebra going, but no one wants to stand out and lead the herd. Are you following me? All of these things, we felt them. Amen? God did it. Then, the second theme started at the, the end of last year. New Year's Eve last year, I spoke a message about redigging the wells. And it was talking about Isaac, where he was redigging the wells of his father Abraham that had been blocked up by the enemy. Because in that period, in that process, where you're being cut, in that process where you're losing stuff, in that process where you're sacrificing comfort, in that process where God's changing you, the enemy comes in and he obscures stuff. He blocks stuff. Come on now. This is part of the madness that you go through when you're being prepared by God. Because you're standing out now. God's cutting your vine. That means that the enemy sees you as someone with a big red hand mark, a big red print on your behind. You're standing out. God's marked you for change. He's marked you as someone he's preparing. He's marked you as someone that he wants to use for his glory. He's marked you as someone who carries his name. He's marked you as someone who's covered in the blood. He's marked you as someone who's looking in the right direction. He's marked you. And the problem is the enemy then comes and sees that and he comes and he starts to try and block all the good stuff around you. And that's all part of it. Sounds horrible, huh? This ain't, this ain't fashionable preaching. This ain't no just turn up and be blessed type of preaching. This ain't no just pay your $77 for 77 days and you're going to get 77,000 planes type of preaching. This is the trust God. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. He's going to give you your paths. He's going to make your steps true. He's going to be the one that's going to do it. And you're going to do it for Him. And it might seem difficult for a time. It might be hard for a time. You might have to go without some stuff for a time. But it's going to be worth it in the end. So I started saying that, you know what? We're going, to, we're going to start redigging the wells. You've been through a time when we've had to batten down the hatches, when we've had to hide inside, where we couldn't go to church. There was different things that we couldn't do. We went from five services to one online service in a week at the start of pandemic. And that carried on for a year in the UK. One online service. No one coming to church. Check that out. That's cutting away. That's preparing new methods. New wineskins. That's learning to be adaptable. That's learning how to overcome. Surviving. How many of you know survival's good? Just look at the alternative. Right? 
But then there came a time when God was saying, no, 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 now it's time to stop doing that. I've finished with the cut. I've finished with the wineskin. Now it's time to start redigging some of those wells. It's time to get back to that life-giving flow, that life source of community, of covenant, that life source of prayer in, in person, of meeting together, of reaching out to different people, of worshipping together, of turning up, of standing up. Let's redig some of those wells. Let's start believing God for more. Let's start seeing more things take place. Let's start gathering together once again. Let's redig the wells. Let's get our ministries back in place. Come on, somebody. Let's start to volunteer again. Let's start to sow again. And so we did that. And we were redigging wells. The wells of prayer, the wells of outreach, the wells of discipleship. Some of you know we went through that whole period where loads of people just wanted to do their own thing. You had a load of Christians start saying, we don't need to go to church. Church is the problem. Well, thankfully, you're not at church because you were the problem, probably. <laughs> Amen? Right? Church is God's idea. Amen. The enemy came in and tried to disrupt things. The enemy came in and tried to say that black and white could never mix. Remember the Black Lives Matter stuff? My goodness, we stood up for that. And then people stabbed me in the back. <laughs> huh? It was demonic. Demonic stuff that came in and started twisting things. Right? But we, we went through that. Now it's time to redig the wells. Don't matter what color you are. Amen? It doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't matter what your history. Doesn't matter if you were a drug addict or you had been raised in church. All that stuff that never used to matter, all of a sudden started to matter. But then we started to redig the wells, that shows it doesn't matter. Yeah. Amen. People still are smarting from them days. Unbelievable. But then we went through that. Redigging the well stuff. People started to get breakthroughs. We started to see new leaders rise up. We started to see new things take place. But then it was time, the second part of that, that, that second theme is what we ended with in this year. We ended it at the start of December. There was a series about rebuilding the walls. And what it was, the redigging the wells was about reestablishing things that were sacred. Just like Ezra came back, if you read the, the biblical timeline, you see Ezra went back to Jerusalem first and he rebuilt the temple. I mean, if you know, God always wants to rebuild the sacred stuff in our lives. And a lot of other stuff is left undone. So all of that was shaken. All of that was, was, was moved in the, the cutting, in the renewing. What, what of your sanctity, what, what is sacred in your life that will not be moved? But then, the enemy was coming in, messing, messing with God's people. So Nehemiah then rose up and he went back to rebuild the walls. And this was about putting down boundaries, building protection around that which is sacred. And we started to look into that. We started to do that. We started to make sure that things were set around structural stuff. Things are in place. Different things that we believe in. Are you with me? There's different things that we believe that are sacred. 
that we want to we make sure are protected. In the last 20 years, these are things that we've been in process of building. There's eight clear non-negotiables. I want you to remember these. Amen? This is what we're protecting in this church. This is what we've fought for. This is what we've sacrificed for. This is what we've changed for. This is what we've stood for. This is what we've stood out for. And it hasn't always been fashionable, but it's non-negotiable. The first one is that we're Bible-based. We're not opinion-based. We're not fashion-based. We're scripturally based. Amen? Can someone say amen? amen? That ain't always the case in Christianity today, but it's the case in Victory Outreach, and it's the case in Victory Outreach Manchester. If it's in the Scripture, it's there for a reason. It's what we believe. If 50 people in the world say it's wrong, but God says it's right, guess who's right? The second thing is we're Christ-honouring. We're Christ-honouring. He is the central reason why we come to church. We celebrate and put central the crucifixion and the resurrection of the real Son of God, Jesus Christ. Can someone say amen? These are sacred things that have stood the test of time. The third thing is we're spirit-filled churches in Victory Outreach. Amen. We're not cessationists. We don't, we don't believe that the Holy Spirit stopped doing His thing when someone wrote all the Scriptures together and put them together in a book. We believe that the Holy Spirit is still active in creation. He still fills believers. He still empowers people. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Come on, somebody, say amen. I believe in the gift of tongues. I don't believe that everyone is going to speak in tongues. I don't believe the Bible says that. I don't believe that if you don't speak in tongues that you're not saved or you ain't spirit-filled. Because the Bible don't say that. But you have to be gifted somewhere. You're filled somewhere. I know people that don't speak in tongues, but they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll get well. I know people that speak in tongues, but they can't shut up. They can't stop lying. They're watching pornography. Come on, somebody. Right? But we're spirit-filled with all spiritual gifts in balanced operation. The fourth one is that we are a church that has a real community emphasis. Not just on Sunday, Sunday service attendance. Don't just come in and look good. Don't just show up and show off. Come on, somebody. Real community is we come to church on the first day of the week on Sunday. We celebrate the resurrection. We worship. We get filled up. And it gives us the, the, the anointing and the power and the environment to then go out for the, Tuesday, the Monday and the Tuesday and the Wednesday and the Thursday and the Friday and the Saturday to live like Christians in community, to shine like lights in the midst of darkness. We believe in that. We believe that people in this church should be able to connect with other people that are going to help them on a daily basis. That there's someone you can go to their house and you can eat and they can come to your house and they can pray. It does not just have to be me and my wife doing it all. There's community in this. Everyone's important. Everyone's valuable. Come on, I'm preaching you, you, you some stuff that's on my heart. Amen. We're a community church. We love worshipping together. We make all the calls. We're a church that makes altar calls. Why? Why do we make altar calls? Because how many of you know there's power in people's response? When you get out of your seat 
and you come up and you stand with other believers that are making the same declarations, praying the same prayers, receiving the same spirit and anointing as you, there is power in that. Some people are too concerned with the protocols when they should be more concerned with the protocols. The fifth thing is we are loving and accepting of people regardless of their history. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what lifestyle choice you had when you walked in through the doors. What I do believe is the opposite of everything is holiness. I believe if you walk in with an unholy mindset, an unholy history, an unholy lifestyle, and you come into a place where the holy God is worshipped and he is central and the Bible is being taught with love, then I believe that once you come into contact with the living God, everything else that's dead is going to feel like dead, death. Once you come into the, the presence of a mighty God, of a loving God, the type of God that loves you enough that he doesn't want you to stay in your darkness. He doesn't want, to, he doesn't, he don't want you to stay in sin. If sin got the devil kicked out of heaven, what makes people think that they can go to heaven in sin? We love everyone. And we ain't going to force anything on anyone. We have people come in, take drugs, go back out, come back in, take drugs. We have people in alternative lifestyles that come in. They, do, they, they go, they come, they do their thing. We're not going to look at someone and go, oh, you have to sit over there in the naughty section. We're not going to look at someone and start saying to them, you know, you're evil. We're just going to preach Christ and Him crucified. And we're going to say, listen, God loves us. This is who He is. This is what He does. This is what He can do for you. Come on now. He can transform your life. It's important we understand that. We'll love you no matter what. I'll sit with you. I'll eat with you. I'll pray with you. Amen. It's up to you to change. I'm responsible for what I give to you. I'm not responsible for what you do with it. Amen? But this church is a church that is a loving church. How many of you have come in all messed up and God's loved you? How many of you have come in all tore up and God loved you? Come on, somebody. How many of you came into this church and you was all twisted in your mentality? You was living wrong? No one got on you, started pointing their finger at you, looking at you wrong? People just love you. They hug you. They sit next to you. They worship God with you. And the same God that transformed them is the same God that can transform you. That's what we believe. The sixth thing moves on from that is that we are a transformational church. We're not just attractional. You're not going to come. You're not going to see me, you know, sliding down a slide or... You know, riding on a bull or something like that. I'm not going to drive a Lamborghini in here and start patting it and saying, look, pay your tithes, you can get this. We're not going to come out with lots and lots of tricks. We're not going to lie to you that if you pay your tithe, then you're going to be blessed this week. Amen? You pay your tithe because it's the right thing to do. It's first fruits. You honour God. That's why you do it. And yeah, God will bless you. Because that's how it works. But we're not going to lie to you. We're not going to tell you that, 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 that you know, we're not going to manipulate. Not about that. Transformation is not about that. 
Transformation is about every Christian becoming what they were created to become. Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Are you with me? you got to change. And when you're transformed, you know that you've been transformed. Because the things that you used to run after in the world, you turn away from. And they end up running after you. But as long as you don't turn back, they can't catch you back up. Addiction, lust, pornography, madness. Transformational. These are sacred. These are non-negotiables. We believe. You come in one way, God's going to touch you. He's gonna, you're going to leave another way. It's going to happen. Trust in Him. I've seen it. The seventh thing is that we want to be a consistently growing church. We don't just want to settle for boundaries and limitations. We want to be growing. And that means numerically... And how many of you know that ain't just down to me and my wife? Because we pray and fast. It ain't just down to the leaders. It ain't just down to the department leaders. It's down to everyone that claims Christ as their Lord and Saviour. To grow in every area. To grow in your own spirituality. To grow in your own devotion. To grow in your generosity. To grow in your witness. To bring your friends and family. You heard what Lily said earlier. She was afraid. She's brought up in church. She's been hurt by church. She's seen her mum and dad be dragged over the coals. Be, be stabbed in the back. She's also seen many people change. But her friends weren't Christians. They were her school friends. And she was worried about standing out. And I remember we had a little daddy and daughter talk. I said, listen, chicken lips. <laughs> so I call her chicken with other things attached. Like, depends how I feel. Like chicken, I like chicken lungs or chicken legs. or It's just a daddy-daughter thing. I said to her, listen, if they're really your friends, they're going to want to know about the real you. <laughs> Are you with me? Because if they don't want to know about the real you, they're not really your friends. And I said, I guarantee when you tell them, it's going to blow them away and they're going to open up. And she's had friends wanting to come to church. They've stalked me and Vicky on, on Facebook and we love what your mum and dad do. But she had to do that. I couldn't do that. I never, I never went to her friends and said, hi, I'm Pastor Paul. <laughs> Where are you going tonight, young lady? Does your mum and dad know? <laughs> Because that's weird. Huh? But once people know, once you let them in, once you bring them forward, once you bring them in, they're going to come in. We're going to grow. And you're going to grow. Your relationship with them is going to grow. Your relationship with him is going to grow. Your relationship in the church is going to grow. Come on, somebody. Your influence is going to grow. Your leadership is going to grow. Your effectiveness is going to grow. Your impact is going to grow. The light that you shine on the world is going to grow. We want that as a church. We want it this, this 2024, we want to bust every limit. Come on now. Huh? We want three services on a Sunday again. Amen? Not just two, three. Hallelujah. Maybe even we get a bigger building. Pack it out. We want thousands of people saved and set free. We want thousands of people worshipping the real Jesus. Not just having a nice little time, but actually worshipping the God that saved them, 
and being, being, being the real thing, being the real deal, being the real article. Victory Outreach Manchester is a family in the city and we are here for you. Visit us every Sunday in person at the church building or live on Facebook and YouTube at 10am. Go to our website vomanchester.org.uk for more information.